What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Pizza High Life, the only way to do show and go with Taylor Davis. Today is Tuesday, April 25th. What kind of pizza are you doing, man, as you uh, flip your microphone onto the bill of your hat? Miller High Life is your go-to, but, like, are you a DiGiorno guy? What's the deal? I didn't want to uh, be chewing into the mic. I figured it'd be better if I moved the mic from the, my neck to the, the hat. So you'd get a little less chewing out of that. Um, yeah, we all know I'm a High Life guy. Um, Miller, we're here. Just saying. Just saying. We're here. We got spots. So uh, this pizza at Publix, also, just saying. Anybody yep. that wants to come on here and throw it throw it to us, we'll uh, we'll give you a little ads, a little ad space. But uh, Newman's Own was a buy one get one deal, mm-hmm. so I thought, why not? You know, we love a good bogo. Um, also, good pie. Listen, like so. Yes. Also, we may be cutting ourselves off in terms of a region when it comes to Publix. I know what you're talking about, but there may be many oh. that don't. Now, a lot of people in baseball know because that is a Southeast jam and more likely than not, you know, you at some point in your life has have spent time playing baseball in the southeastern part of the United States. So Publix and could play. It. I think Miller Highlights might be the effective one. And have probably gotten uh, a chicken tender sub at one point or another in your life. Yeah. I've been to Publix. So I haven't, but I've heard excellent things. Obviously. Wow. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah, it's one of the better subs in America, and I say that as a um, uh, proud chunky man. Like it is a good sub. I'm a larger man, uh, probably for my size, and I very much enjoy a good chicken tender sub from Publix. So we're gonna talk NL bounce back a- at some point in this episode, but I do want to stick on that for a moment because when I first like met you, when we like sat down, had a coffee and just talked ball, you told me, how did you describe it? You are the most athletic, non-athletic person or the least athletic. I'm the most athletic, unathletic person you've ever met. Okay. So what goes into being the most athletic, unathletic person you've ever met? I assume unathletic, it turned like, you don't necessarily pass the eye test when it comes to pro ball player, but you make up for it in flexibility, durability. Are you a lifter? Do you sneaky put up weight? I sneaky don't put up weight. Um, yeah, that's where we were going with this. Yeah, I am really good. I'm like the best backyard athlete of all time. If it's within 30 yards, if it's a tailgate type deal, you go ahead and take your boy. I am going to take you to the top not only in my uh, athletic qualities in those sports, but also in my leadership qualities in those games. Yeah. Uh, I really will will bring you over the edge. But um, in all seriousness, it won't look pretty all the time. But like I even say, like with a football, I don't throw a football very good. Um, I It's odd. I'm a catcher. I should, but I just can't really throw it very good. But within like 20 to 30 yards, I am really accurate, even if it's not pretty. So that's the thing we're out of it. So I I find that really interesting because like, that's something that reigns true for a lot of baseball people where, you know, you you may not have the most like brute force, 
like you may not be able to, you know, take a guy to the rim and pick up basketball, but like whatever you call it, bag of cornhole bags, like a lot of baseball people are very good at that game. A lot of baseball people are really good at shit like ring toss because there's something about the the quick twitch muscles. There's something about hand-eye coordination too that just comes out to eat in these guys. Yeah, that helps. I'll be honest. I'm actually like if if I had if I didn't have to play defense or score, I could run point guard. I just I am not tall enough to defend anything, and I really am not athletic enough to score. But my vision and observe like I'm super observant, and so like my vision and ability to move the ball around is pretty good. But so, Taylor, can I be honest? Please. That's something bad basketball players say. That's something that that's player. something that I say. Do you, you know my last year of my last year of uh, rec basketball? I averaged three points a season. Hell yeah! But how many assists? Like the assist to turnover no, ratio is probably great. I, no, I don't. I don't think that that really. No, I probably had more uh, assists than I did minutes. If that helps. Okay. Yeah, where yeah. that was never that was never that was never my thing for sure. Got it. All right. Yeah, you just couldn't put the rock in the bucket. And I understand. But we'll we'll talk about some guys. I think you know some of these guys decently well that, that we're going to talk about here. And I'll bounce back. We've talked about Chris Bryant before, and I know you know KB. Um, Solaire, I'm sure you've crossed paths with a good bit. You guys come up together? Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Absolutely. I played I played with Solaire quite a bit. And then Castellanos. Did you ever cross paths with Castellanos? In Chicago. Okay, how about that, man? Um, and then, you know, other guys, we're talking Jorge Soler, Nick Castellanos, Jesse Winker, Cody Bellinger, Tyler O'Neill, Jonathan India, Cattell Marte, and Chris Bryant. And I know how highly you view Jonathan India as well, but I'm excited to break into this group, man, because, like, last time we did bounce backs, we, we took a break to do, you know, the Tatis thing and the steroid conversation. And if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it because – I think it's a very level-headed approach from Taylor when it comes to viewing something that is, you know, deemed the ultimate smudge on a baseball player's resume. But, you know, we talked about guys that were dealing with injury issues last year, like a Brandon Lau, who looks great right now. And, I mean, you you highlighted that. It's like, yes, this guy's going to bounce all the way back here because it's just a health thing. But, you know, then we talked about a guy like Yohan Moncada, super talented health thing. Lucas Giolito, like, it's an entirely different conversation there. Javi Baez, we talked about that. But, you know, this one, I, I feel like we're talking about a lot of guys where you know exactly what to look for in them, and we just didn't get it last year. Yeah. And let's start with Solaire because this guy, you could call him a late bloomer. He came up with the Cubs. He never really achieved his, like, true potential with the Cubs. But then... He hit, what, 48 homers in Kansas City one year and then was a World Series MVP in Atlanta in 21. And then he signs this big deal with Miami and is hurt. And it's just like nothing. But we're starting to see Jorge Soler come back this year. Feels like Soler kind of knows the player that he wants to be. You think he fully bounces back? I don't know if he fully bounces back or not. I think that uh, the playoffs are very indicative of what I'm about to say. But I think Soler is one of those guys that that needs something on the line for him to perform like that. Even him going to Kansas city, he was, he was, it was a one for one for Wade Davis. That was a big deal for both teams. Yeah. So 
I don't think Solaire ever lived up to his um, his ceiling. But what I do think he did is, I think that he made his value. I think he made, I think he signed a twenty five million dollar deal, something around there when he initially signed, and I think he 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 made that value back. Um, I think he's a really talented player. I just think it depends what his guys around him, how this team is doing. I think if it's a bad Miami team, there's a better chance we see a bad Jorge Soler. If there's a better Miami team, I think there's a better chance we see a better Jorge Soler. Interesting. Okay, I, I'm looking at what he did You know, in Kansas City. He actually has the most years logged in Kansas City. But, you know, 101 games with the Cubs in 2015, 10 homers, you know, a bunch of punch outs. He had a 720 OPS. So this guy was always kind of hanging around that that 700-ish number. 35 games in Kansas City when he went in that one-for-one one deal. He played 35 games, hit a buck 44, OPS 500. Like it was nothing going on. 61 games in 18, 820 OPS. But then he pumps out this 920 OPS, plays all 162, 33 doubles, 48 pumps, 117 driven in and 19. Then you bounce back, you know, 2020, throw it out the window, do whatever you want with that. Um, he, he gets traded and he's fine. Like he's hitting a buck 92 OBP under 300 with Kansas city. He's hitting enough homers. And then he goes to Atlanta and just turns that shit on 880 OPS. He ends the year with what? 27 doubles, 27 homers. Um, and, and then 22, he plays 72 games. So it's been so sporadic, man. He's played over a hundred games in a season three times. 2015 with Chicago, 2019 when he hit 48 homers, and 2021 when he was a World Series MVP. So when he's on the field, like he's doing something beneficial to the team that employs him. I'll tell you what, I actually I played with Jorge quite a bit, man. Really, really nice kid. Um, but man, he was a freaking man child when he first came over. And you know, I think like he was a he was like a baby faced absolute Under Armour mannequin. When he came over um, and it was so interesting to see, like, we all like, we're like, okay, who is this guy we're giving all this money to? And then it, like the first time you see him, you're like, okay, yep. I'd have given him that money too. Uh, no questions asked. And he does a lot of stuff, right, man. Uh, he, he's a good player. He's an underrated player. And I, like I said, he's one of those guys, you know, I think we've talked about, we need to do this kind of episode, but he's like that David freeze. He's a yep. good player. He's a guy that's an average player for you during the season. But when it's when you need him, he's there. He hits the homer. He he, he just happens to be a, up. Um, he does the right stuff. Yeah, I love that. All right, next guy for you, Nick Castellanos. And Castellanos, Philly's bag getter. He he got it and he just, you know, he was a liability last year, like a 600 OPS you know, one of the worst defensive corner outfielders in the game, according to the metrics. Um, you know, we've seen this guy be super successful, and we saw it in Cincinnati. And I think that the baseball fan, the perception of Castellanos was, um, hey, like that guy was perfect for Great American Ballpark. He hits free agency. Like, why not just talk extension with Cincinnati? I, I hear that. But also, like, he wasn't going to win. He's on the other side of 30. You're not going to win a bunch of games. You're not going to be playing in the postseason in Cincinnati for the duration of that deal. He got his bag. He stunk. Do you think in year two, he, he looks like the Nick Castellanos of old, whether you view that as the Tiger or the Cub for that half season or the Red? I think you're probably looking closer to the Tiger. Um, okay. 
offensively, but that's a good that's a good player. So I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think that's uh, a perfectly fine outcome. I think his if I had to guess, he was like a two eighty with twenty when he was with the when he was with the Tigers. Like that was his average. So that's exactly what he was. Sorry about that. Um, and just I mean, so everybody knows. I really I have nothing here with me, but um, no, I love that. Um, yeah. No. So like my take there is I think that's what you're looking at, and then as far as the defense goes, I think they kind of figured out as everybody's been shown now that they're shifting him to where he can make all those plays that he's actually very capable of making. Moving one of the way. Have you not? Have you seen that video? No. You don't know what I'm talking about? No. Wow. Somebody, somebody, I, I don't know if it was on TikTok, and maybe this is not true. I guess I didn't, like, look it up. I just took it as true. Somebody posted a video, and it showed that, like, obviously Nick Castellanos was a, was a poor defender last year, but it showed that there was one area where he was actually really talented, and it was, like, coming into his left. I think that it was, huh. I think it was into his left. Or so into just, his... just playing right center. Yes. That's so interesting. Yeah. What yeah. So hell? I thought that was cool. So I'm interested to see because like, look, if he's not, if he's not, um, you know, a, a top three worst defender in baseball last year, we're not talking about him being a bounce back guy. He had another good year. It, you think so? Like he was, he was a 690 OPS. So he had 263, okay, no. 136 games. He had 13 bombs. Um, I, um, I love no, that point. He gets back over 20. He gets back, get over. back over 20. Yeah. that That's my thought too, man. And like, this guy so far, 23 games, he's hitting 310. He's got 10 doubles so far. Like the homers aren't there, but he, he this guy sprays the ball all over the ballpark and he lifts, which is really not like bicep curl lifts, but he lifts the baseball. He's a yeah. very he's got that Xander Bogarts, right? Really like does. Xander's a guy that can like find gaps and lift the baseball. And I think that Castellanos is cut from a similar cloth. But you mentioned his Tigers years. I mean, you're pretty much spot on. This guy in Detroit, seven years, hit 274 with 104 homers over seven years. So this guy was, you know, like, you know, take out the brief cameos. Um, I look at 2017 in Detroit. This guy hit 272 with 26 homers. Next year, hit 298 with 23 homers. 46 doubles in that year, too. I think that's probably what he can get back to at 31 years old. No doubt. I think well, that's what you're looking at. And I think you're going to look at an average defender – um, and hopefully they can move him to the DH role a little bit more. You know, yeah. like let's let's get let's get Nick there. Um, Kyle can handle himself out out in the outfield. Let's let's get Nick to the DH a little bit more and and you know create some more value there. For sure. Um, how do you feel about Jesse Winker? Winker's an interesting guy. He's with Milwaukee now. It's been a tale of two seasons over the last couple, right? Winker had a big breakout. Twenty twenty, he was great. He had a nine thirty OPS. He rode that into a really hot twenty one. 110 games, was an all-star, hit 300, 24 homers, 32 doubles, the OPS 950. Then he goes to Seattle as the headliner of that huge deal with Gino Suarez, and Gino immediately looks like the better player. Then he goes to Milwaukee. We're expecting, oh, you know, smaller ballpark, very hitter-friendly. Winker's going to bounce back. This is a great candidate. Early goings, he's played 14 games. He's got a 610 OPS. I don't think Winker is 690 OPS like he was in Seattle. I don't think he's 950 OPS like he was in Cincinnati. 
You think he does? You're, you're raising your eyebrows at me. No, no, no. He does not. He is not. That that Cincinnati was a that was a, a good little run for him. That was like a fever was, dream. Yeah. That was a you really he's a good platoon run guy. Huh? You think he's a platoon guy? I don't know that because I think the only time that he's really performed like that was when he got to play every day. Yeah. So I don't know that you can say that. Um so no, I'm gonna go with no. I don't think he's a platoon guy. And I, I don't I don't see I just see all the clubhouse stuff, man. That's all I see is all the clubhouse stuff. And like that matters to me because um it's not <clears throat> it's clearly affecting his performance. Like the the places where he seems to be liked more, he does well. And then he does worse when he's clearly the team is is on the outskirts. It's it's an interesting uh paradox. Yeah. Yeah, uh, paradigm. I think there we go. Listen, man, I'm the words guy, so you don't have to be. But um, no, I I find that to be a really interesting dynamic as well because when I hear that, and I'm sure when you hear that, I think okay, like it needs to be the perfect situation for him to be a good clubhouse guy, and that's not what good clubhouse guys are. Like they they adapt to their situations and they're good regardless of temperature in there. Like a good clubhouse guy can take a negative situation and spin it positive with help of some other good clubhouse guys. And I'm sure that he's been in a clubhouse with other good leaders. For sure. He I absolutely has. That just, that freaks me out a little bit that like, if it's Good. a bad situation, he, he will make it worse. Yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. You know, I, I was told a long time ago that like, not all the time, but like when guys get moved really quickly, multiple teams like there could be there could be multiple reasons for that but like look into it and man this guy's bounced around quite a bit before he hit re before he hit free agency yeah big time and he'll probably go somewhere else when he's a free agent which is you know a really unique situation and i hope that it works out for him in milwaukee this year but you know big fat tbd for me and i'm sure you're saying the same thing cody bellinger is off to a great start this year he had a 1035 ops in 2019 he won the mvp since then, 789 and 20, 542 and 21, 654 and 22. He gets non-tendered. And now he's got 10 extra base hits in 21 games. He's hitting 300. And this guy looks amazing. Bellinger is a loaded conversation, I feel like. he. We were talking about his contract right before we hopped on. It's you know one year for 12. Um, and there's a mutual option there for 12 next year. There's a five and a half million dollar opt out. So if you look at it in the eyes of the luxury tax, it's a one year deal for seventeen and a half million dollars. Um, like, what do you think Bellinger does? You know, you know what I mean. Like, what do you see 27, 28 year old Cody Bellinger being in twenty twenty three? I think that Cody Bellinger is a an easy player to fall in love with because Cody Bellinger is an incredible defender and base runner. He's extremely athletic. So if he's hitting, he is so dynamic that you're going to want to watch him over almost everybody in baseball. Um, when he's not hitting, you can still manage to watch him because he does so many other things really, really good. Um, so like what I'm saying there is I, I don't, Let's take some sample size into it. I'm going to say that he's a good Cody Bellinger. I think he's he's better than the 210 Cody Bellinger, but I think he's not 
the MVP, Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I we're just slapping him in between, and I I get it, like totally do. Um, I think that MVP Bellinger is gone, much like I think the MVP Yelich is gone. Oh yeah, I, I've got it like a super soft spot for Christian Yelich, just because that 2018 2019 stretch was so stupidly fun to watch. I think that Yelich can recapture some of that magic. It's fleeting. I thought Bellinger's magic was gone, and here it is back. So I almost. You know, if I were to see a five-game stretch from Yelich, yeah, you 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 wince when I say back, and I agree. I don't think it is. I think I'm. Yeah, I, I, it's it's because I I think I wince when you say back because what he's doing right now through this stretch, as good as it's been, was not as good as his MVP year. Right through a full season. Right. So he's not back because if this is as good as Cody Bellinger gets, which is what people are thinking, that's not back. Now it's a good player. So it's a, it's an, it's an all-star every single year. And if he does this for the rest of his career, potential hall of famer, right? But it's not who he was at his peak. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, man, it's so tough because I, I look at him and Yelich in very different ways, right? If Yelich did this over the first 20 games of the season, I'm saying, oh, like w- we've got Yelich back. And I have no problem yes. saying that. Word. I agree. I agree. But, but Bellinger, like it's, you know, oh, let's wait for this to taper off, which is unfortunate. I don't know why I feel that. Do you know why I feel that? I, I think a lot of people feel that way because think about Christian Yelich and um, Christian Yelich and uh Cody Bellinger one has a relatively old school swing in Christian Yelich one has a relatively new school swing in Cody Bellinger so Cody Bellinger's swing is not built quite as much for a uh, room of error um as Yelich's is and so i think that like people felt like once Cody lost that there was no coming back there was no we we didn't find that, and with Yelich, there was some adjustability. There was some, hey, maybe we can find something. Um, but I think the reality of the situation is, like we talked about, I think Cody's an incredible athlete. I mean, I think Christian at his prime. You talk to guys that were around Christian Yelich when he was in Miami, like he was a freak athletically. Yeah. Um. So you know, I think we're talking about some guys that are so so superbly at the top of their game athletically um, that that helps their case to begin with. Got you. Got you. Um, Another guy, freak athlete uh, feels like a sports car, right? Like things are going so well and then injury comes and everything's thrown out of whack. Tyler O'Neill, that was the deal last year. And and O'Neill is as high variance a guy as you will find. And obviously we, we deal with the drama in the early, early goings of the season this year where, you know, his manager thinks he's dogging it around third and, you know, he gets caught and, and he airs him out publicly. That was a really weird situation. And we talked about that for a moment, but um, Tyler O'Neill, a, a guy that is looking to bounce back from an injury riddled uh, and strikeout riddled season last year, K's are always going to be a part of his game. Big, strong man, fast, uh, can hit the ball very far. Uh, several times a year, like close to 30 or 40. Um, O'Neal looked so strong in 21, not so much in 22. Which one's the real Tyler O'Neal? 
You know, I, uh, he's such an interesting case because the, the power is always going to be there when he's on the field. Like, he's always going to have the ability to do it. He's so strong. Um, it, it's it's to me, it's just like he goes, he's so streaky. Like, I think that's more what it is. Like, he just gets, when he gets hot, he gets hot. When he gets cold, he gets cold. So, like, if he gets hot more than, he, more than, more often than not, it's going to be a good year. I know that's common sense. And as I'm saying it, it sounds dumb. But, um, you know, he just makes for a very interesting character, I guess, is what I'm thinking here. Like, he's a guy that that I could happily tell you is going to hit 300 with 45. Yeah. Um, and I would have no problem telling you that while playing a really good defense. Um, but I'd also not be opposed to telling you that he's going to hit 197 with 35 and he's going to play a really good defense. That's the so, thing. Like, I, I think that, once again, he's another one of those guys that, that continues to hold his value because of his defensive uh, abilities and his power. Like, his defense and his power can kind of – he's a little Joey Gallowish. He is. He's a lot of Joey Gallowish. And I, I think that the only thing separating those two guys is, you know, O'Neal walks a lot less, but O'Neal's also a, a better athlete. And Gallo's a good athlete, but O'Neal's like – 15 bags a year when he's on the field. So, you know, I, I look at what he did in 2020, 50 games, hit a buck 73. 2021, that 34 homer season, stole 15 bags, hit 290. But then the next year, he hits 230 and hits 14 homers. Granted, like 30 fewer games, but drift still counts. Um, so far this year, he's hitting 250. Slug isn't necessarily there. OPS is actually lower at this point than it was uh, through 96 games last year. Um, so, like, I don't know. The value is there in defense. The value is there in speed. And the value is there in home runs. Is that enough to consider him a top 10 MVP guy like he was in 2021? No. 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 That that was a fluke. I don't think, I don't think he's a top 10 MVP guy. Okay. I don't want to say it's a fluke, but I don't. I don't think he's a top ten MVP guy. But like, I, I, not no. no, we're not. I don't think we're getting back there. No, like hitting hitting two ninety with thirty four homers and being a Gold Glover was top ten MVP, and like that's what I, he was. No, you're not, I, I, that's that's yeah. I don't. I don't see that again. No, got you. But okay. you know, I told you, and I and I do believe. Like, I don't think that's an outcome. But if I ran a scenario a thousand times. Without question, that is coming up a couple times. For sure. So, um, you know, he is that he is that um, he is that talented. But no, I don't think we're getting that guy. Got you. Because it requires, you know, like a marathon, right? It, it acquires it yep. requires you pacing yourself through 162, and that doesn't really feel like a guy that paces himself through 162. Uh, and that's no knock on Tyler O'Neill. Like that's just how he plays the game, right. it's not that sustainable. Like you can't be right. consistently really good being that high variance. Jonathan India, I kind of know where you're at here, but I'll just open the floor to you. Rookie of the year in 21, injury laden in 22. He's healthy again. You think he's back? I'm going to give him a little bit of the, like the, um, the winner. I think, I think he's going to have a good year. I think he's going to be a good player. I think if the Reds are good, like they have the potential to be decent. I think if the Reds are good, then he's better. Okay. Um, but I think you see a – I don't know that you see rookie of the year, but, like, I could happily see it. Uh, it'll be either be a 250 with more homers or a 275 with slightly fewer. That's what I see, something around there. 
Okay. So he was uh, 270, 21 homers, 12 for 15 in the stolen base department his rookie year. Last year, he was 250, 10 homers. So the power was sapped, right? The slugging was down about 100 points. You think that he's closer to a 450 slug guy than he is a 350 slug guy. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, honestly, meet in the middle. Like, I think that 270 with 20 is where you're looking at. I think I'd be happy at 270 with 15, like 275 with 15. I think that would be like a sweet spot where if he could do that every single year of his career for the Reds, like he's an everyday, he's every year, he's a top 10 second baseman um, doing that. And he's an on-base guy too, man. Like he's going to walk, he's going to swipe some bags. Um, he'll probably move at some point, I assume, just based on the talent that they have there. Like, feels like McLean may play second, and yeah. Ellie might play short, and India will hop over to first when when the Joey Votto era is done. And this is the last year of the Joey Votto era, so I don't and, think. And, you have to you know, and and like we've talked about, like that first base spot really. I'll be interested to see the data at the end of the year, but I bet that first base team, like the teams that have the better defending first baseman, I bet they end up having the better defending teams. Yeah. Um, if I had yes at the end of the year. So you like what the Padres are doing with Cronenworth. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great defensive second baseman so, putting it first. So here's here's where my, my take on that would be like, I am good with that. Um, if I want to put a – like where is my where is my worst defender going to go? So if my worst defender is going to go at second base, I'm just going to ship, shift my shortstop one step closer to the second base if I need to, or I'm going to shift my first baseman who's a, who's superbly athletic. I'm going to move him a little bit towards first, give him that that benefit of the doubt, or move him towards second, I mean, give him that benefit of the doubt to help him. Plus, I'm going to get more action at first base as far as just overall plays goes. So I kind of open up a spot at second base there, right, as long as somebody can turn double play. Um, I think that might kind of be the thought. Traditionally thinking, it's first base where you put your worst defender, right? Like that's been the idea in baseball for a long time. But I think you're saying that, you know, maybe maybe they're best elsewhere. If you were filling out a lineup card and you could like handpick where the crappiest defender went, do you want it at first, second, left? Like where are you thinking? Probably, probably the shortest, the shortest part. If the field had a short part of the outfield. I'm going to put them in that side of the outfield. Okay. Um, and if we're talking about somebody that is just like should never play again, I would just tell them to go stand at the warning track. Um, we'll deal with singles. Just don't let anything get over your head. Or I would do the exact opposite. And I would tell them to play basically a deep shortstop. And I would say, don't let any singles fall. If it's over your head, just throw the ball to third base. Yeah. So – now, like, I'm I'm not throwing Giancarlo Stanton under the bus because I think Stanton has a hose and, like, he can play a serviceable right field, but that that's a DH, right, that, that the Yankees are putting in the outfield. Short porch and right, they're having him play right, and it's stand on the warning track, come in on everything, show that right. hose off, and nothing's going to beat you over your head. And it's the same thing they're doing with Castellanos and Philly. Put him, put him back so he has to come forward for the baseball. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the play, and it's it's – also has to do with the fact that you should get less opportunities, right? Like, um, if we're hitting less than if we're hitting less than fifty percent of our our balls to the outfield, and there's three of us, then we're gonna have less opportunities somewhere. Right. That makes sense to me. All right, uh, Ketel Marte. We've got two more. 
Ketel Marte in Arizona signed a big extension and was really underwhelming last year. But his career has been a tale of two Ketel Martes. Like we, we've seen an insane athlete and an insane baseball talent at certain points. We've also seen a guy that, you know, looks like that is just a, a massive overpay. Um, unfortunately, last year looked like the overpay. Beginning of this year looked like the overpay. Ketel Marte financially is strapped into being part of the future of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Do you think that this guy uh, can be an important piece of the future of the Arizona Diamondbacks? Oh, yeah. I think he's the middle of the order bat that that he was. I think he's a guy that absolutely gets back to where he was. Um, he's one of the, like, freakiest athletes in baseball. Like, he is so strong and fast and um, just gifted athletically. Um, sneaky big kid, too. Like, he's big. He's a big yeah. guy. Um, so like, I, I look, I look for him to be the best player on that team. Like he should be. You think so? Like even in the yeah. era of Corbin Carroll and Gabriel Moreno, you think Marte I think could like be. this year, I think in 2023 that Cattell Marte should be the best player on that team. Cool. Cool. Um, moving forward, like 24, do you think that's when Carroll takes over or do you think that yeah. Marte is a couple yeah. of years? I think it's some form. I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm not giving up on Alec Thomas either. No, you I think shouldn't. Alec Thomas yeah. is, is sneaky. That 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 athleticism is special. So, like, I I, I don't want to give up there. I don't want to say what I'm getting at is I don't want to say assuredly that it's going to be um Carroll because I still think there's a chance that Alec Thomas is the guy that everybody thinks Corbin Corbin Carroll is. Wow. All right, that's high praise. I really like Alec Thomas. I think that he can be a really good big leaguer. Um, I, I do think that Carroll is much better, but you see, like, the athleticism in Alec Thomas, and I see it too. Like, dude, he hits the ball hard, like yeah. sneaky hard. Yeah. Like, that's where I that's where I say, like, I don't think that we're talking about a guy that you have to limit to be a singles and 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 running guy, which is I feel like what everybody thinks of Alec Thomas. For sure. And I just don't think he has to be that. I think he can hit homers. Um now it the ceilings are the ceilings the same? Probably not. I think Corbin Carroll's ceiling is probably slightly higher. Yeah. Um I yeah. think Corbin Carroll is looking at a potentially being a 300 plus with 30 plus and, and 40 bags. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which is psycho. But like and I don't see that out of Alec Thomas, but if you told me that Alec Thomas was a 290 with 25 and he was playing the best defensive center field in baseball, I wouldn't be shocked. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I like, I can kind of see that. And the thing is, he's going to be able to show off the defensive acumen in center. And Alec Thomas is such a good center fielder that they moved Carroll to left. Like Alec Thomas is the center fielder. So, you know, it tells you how highly they view him. Um, tons of real estate, man. And, I think that they are positioning themselves with that outfield of the future perfectly for that ballpark. What oh, do you do with dude. that much real estate? You throw three yeah. center fielders and center in the corners. Yeah, and that's a good place to hit too. They, I mean, there's a lot of good pieces, man. I Arizona's a great place to play. It like really it. is because you got spring training in Scottsdale. Your season's in Phoenix. Like it's, right away, you're saving a move. That is that is plus one to begin with. And the vibes are um, excellent in Arizona. On top, of, on top of the fact that there is not many better places in the world than Arizona during spring training. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you're now, I'll give you, when it's 120 in the summer, I don't know, but. Yeah, but that's when you close the roof, man. When you close the roof, you got the AC. You're in the show. Turn the AC up. 
you're chilling. You got the money to do it. Um, You know, a little high life pace. I love it. All right. Uh, Last one for you is, is a guy that you know really well in Chris Bryant, you know, 31 years old. He signed seven years, 182 ahead of last year, you know, injuries like that just cost him. He played 42 games last year and he he was awesome. He had an 850 OPS. Um, We've seen a rookie of the year. We've seen an MVP. We've seen a world series championship. I want to just open the floor to you, Chris Bryant. What do you think, you know, 31 year old moving on looks like? I think if we do this podcast two days earlier, I have a different statement that I'm about to make. Okay. Um, I think that a lot of Chris Bryant's injuries have been, I don't want to call them like random, but I don't think they're things that are necessarily necessarily recurring other than the lower back. The lower back has been something his whole career. If I'm not mistaken, that has kind of been the thing. Um, And I, that scares me a little bit because I don't know that he'll be on the field. But I'll stand by if he's on the field, he's a he's he's built for Coors Field. Um, I, I truly believe that. I believe that as much as anybody has ever been built for that stadium, he is. Um, I think that he is he is truly the guy to put in the middle. I've said that from the first time I watched him swing. Um, so I think that if he's on the field, he's your best player. <sighs> the back, man, that just that that freaks me out just because he's so tall. Yeah, he no, he I mean, it's the Yelich thing, right? Like Yelich has had nagging lower back issues. And that's the thing that has done Yelich. And it's not, you know, like the freak. It was a broken jaw in 19 that sidelined Yelich. Like, that's not what's going on there. It's the back because he's a big athletic dude that needs the back in his swing. Like Chris Bryant is a big athletic dude that needs his lower back to, to help him on a daily basis. Good news is he is back in the lineup. So, like, it's not sidelining him for a long time. But oh, he, didn't go, he didn't go on the disabled list? He didn't go on the IL. But oh, good, good, good. It is something to monitor, though. You know what I mean? It like, sure especially it if it sure. keeps on flaring up. Yeah. But I, that is good to know, though. I'm glad he's not getting hurt. But if he's, if he's, yeah, then I'll stand by. Then, yeah, I think he's back. I, I, I think Chris Bryant is, um, one of the more talented offensive players. He's like, I had, I, I, would put him and this is crazy and this is going to be totally outlandish but like i think if he was healthy every game if he could play 162 every year yeah he would be a one of the more prolific run producers that our game has seen and so like i would attest him to like the way that i describe kevin durant kevin durant is one of the greatest scorers in the history of the game just scores if we're talking about people to score he's one of the best. Right. And so I've always felt like that. Like that's how I saw him. And that's how I see Chris is like, if I could put an offensive player in place, if I could create somebody. If I was making a video game, it's probably Chris Bryant. Interesting. Okay. He, I know he swings and misses a lot for people's liking, but I mean, there is, I'm with you. Like, trust me. MVP Chris Bryant watching that guy play 35 doubles, 39 homers, 100 driven in, hit 290. Sign me up for that every year. Well, and on top of that, he does swing and miss a lot, and that scares guys off. But but the swing and miss doesn't affect his average. No. So, like, you know, I don't know what else you're worried about with the swing and miss because if you're not worried about batting average, which you've claimed, then what is the problem with the swing and miss? Because when he's hitting the ball, he's hitting it 
500 feet. So, I, I you know, I think that uh, there's a little bit of, of misnomers in there, too, because a lot of guys that swing and miss don't hit 280. Right. So, you know. I think that's the thing. Like, it's it's the possibility that things could spiral on Chris Bryant. You know what I mean? When you see a guy swing and miss all the time, and, and KB, like, he led the NL in strikeouts his rookie year. So, I know it's not all the time, but it's a lot of his outs. I love that it doesn't tank the batting average, right? It just so happens that most of his outs are are strikeouts. And, you know, percentage-wise, that doesn't make sense, but it, it feels like it. So let me give you this. I, I don't, I'm not positive, but Mike Trout, I believe, led the league in strikeouts also. Yeah, I mean, Trout punches out a, a decent bit. I'll tell you, I think he's got like right above a league average K rate for his career. So Trout... I know early in his career, he struck out quite a bit. He had 184 strikeouts in 2014. But, I mean, this guy for his career is a 22% K-rate guy, which is above league average. So he punches out a bit more than typical. Chris Bryant on his career, career K-rate 23%. So, again, slightly above average. It's pretty on par with Trout. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's uh... The, like that's the impressive part to take from that is that those guys can still hit for average, which is why the um, the swing and miss doesn't matter. So like when kids hear their coaches talk about, by the way, it is it is warm in Florida today. Yeah, oh, it's like forty uh, here. I'm jealous. Yeah, I know. I I know. I'm complaining, and my wife's freezing. <laughs> um, so when kid when you hear like when kids at home when you hear. Um, like your your travel ball coaches, and you hear them talk about how, hey, like, don't get mad about a strikeout. It's just another out. That is true, unless you're adding outs to your game. Yeah. Right? Like, Chris Bryant's outs truly are strikeouts. When he hits the ball, it's going to go uh, – it's going to be a hit more often than not. Like, no, not literally, but, you know, more often than the average person, I would say. Yes. Um, the <laughs> The other way that I would think about wording that is, you know, make sure you're not adding outs by swinging and missing. Um, also, make sure that you're not sacrificing the opportunity for a productive out by swinging and missing. You no, know, doubt, no, doubt, no doubt. So yeah. like first and second, nobody out. N- nobody's really putting down a sack bun anymore if, if they're a big power, big punch out guy. But like, that's not the place to punch out. You know what I no mean? Doubt. No doubt. Live. No doubt. So. Yeah, that's my thought there. All right. We walked through uh, Soler, Castellanos, Winker, Bellinger, O'Neill, India, Cattell Marte, and Chris Bryant. Pretty good uh, all, all across the way. We had eight guys, um, and I think we fell in between on a lot of them. So, TD, this week. <laughs> so, we did a great job. We did a great job. It's like the classic high school English teacher thing. It's the answer is kind of both yes and no. <laughs> Elaborate. And I think we did do a good job of elaborating there. So. <laughs> My man, enjoy the week. We'll talk to these folks on Friday. Sick. Sounds good. See you guys.